Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. And I love when a Sunday edition comes together like this, where all the participants are on my list of favorite people. So on a Sunday like that, I am absolutely happy sipping on a beautiful mimosa and we are ready to dive into some great conversations, some interesting announcements. As always in um, engineer extraordinaire mode, Byron Lee will be fielding any hands that may come up. The links for Sunday Edition are on the web pages and on the Facebook community group. If you want to ask any of my guests a question, find them and join us. Uh, Byron, how's it going? Things are going great. How about you? Things are going pretty darn good. I think you're going to be very interested in some of the things that we have to that we have to talk about today. But uh, before we do, do you have any announcements for us about Next Gen? Yeah, so uh, Next Generation, ACB Next Generation, is going to be uh, doing a really cool event on the last Saturday of the month, uh, which is the 26th. And uh, we're going to be doing a presentation about uh, our, our veterans, our, our servicemen and women who have served our country. Um, this is an event that's nestled right between Memorial Day and the 4th of July. And so we're going to have several, um, uh, several people from uh, the ACB veterans show up and uh, talk about their time in the service. And then we're going to have some uh, patriotic music and some fireworks, um, audio fireworks, of course. You know, I'll say, ooh, there's a purple one, there's a red one, there's a green one, and they all look just the same. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to be opening up the discussion for people to talk about their own experiences uh, in the service and, and the people that they uh, know and love who were in the service. So it's going to be a good time. That is awesome. And what do you got coming up on the fun zone tonight? You know, I have absolutely no idea at this point. Um, but if you like comedy or if you like, you know, funny music, um, my website is byronlee.com. And I do a show every Sunday where I play comedy music. And once I'm a little more awake, I'll figure out a theme for this week. <laughs> You got it. And so a couple of announcements before I get to the big major announcement. Uh, convention registration is open. So if you have not had the opportunity yet, please get to acb.org and click convention. Um, candidates pages have gone live. And so far we have 15 awesome candidates vying for 13 seats. Uh, so go check those out. And GDY and BPI is uh, teaming up for two nights of candidate forums on Wednesday, June 16th and Thursday, June 17th. Um, one night will be for the executive seats and the other night will be for board members and BOP slots. 
So please uh, plan to to you know be there if you have some interest in knowing what our next set of representatives feel about the way ACB is going and special interest affiliates. We're gonna be talking a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the relationship between you know the, the special and state interest, special interest and state affiliates and the role of national leadership in cultivating membership and things like that. So please stay tuned for that. So Byron, June is an awesome month for us, isn't it? Oh yeah, you bet it is. I love Pride. Yes, and um, I'm hoping that it's been great Pride Month for you so far. So I love, <laughs> I love Pride. We just went to Target, and if you guys don't know this, Target has like this awesome uh, Pride section with like flags and shirts and and um, all sorts of neat stuff. I even got some gay socks, which is really cool. Gay, what are gay socks? I gotta know. Gotta, gotta have yourself some some rainbow socks, dude. They're awesome. <laughs> Gabriel, if you're listening, we'll be heading to Target um, within this week. <laughs> so I am really, really, really pleased to announce a couple of things today. Um, my first guest is no stranger to ACB at large, no stranger to Sunday Edition. In fact, I have partnered with Ira for a couple of things, and, and it's always been a great experience. And now I am partnering as Sunday Edition with Ira to present a door prize this year at convention. And we as BPI are partnering, partnering with Ira for a really special program that we're gonna get into. But Janine, why don't you tell them real quick about the door prize that they could win at convention courtesy of Ira and Sunday Edition. Sure, absolutely. And I've got my little iris sound effect in the background there. <laughs> so this year, we are going to be giving one lucky person who wins the door prize from Sunday edition and uh, Ira a pair of Aftershocks open move headphones. And these are the bone conduction headphones from Aftershocks. And these are the particular pair that are designed to be worn when you're out and about and moving. They are, uh, they have a rating of 55, I believe, for um, being underwater, which I, I think is a very good rating. In other words, you can wear them in the rain. Um, they even show people wearing them swimming. I'm not entirely sure I would do that, but <laughs> but um, they are a great pair of headphones and they're fantastic for Ira calls because they've got really good quality on the uh, microphone. And also they leave your ears open to be able to listen to traffic, which is the big and important thing about these headphones. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we will be giving away one pair of those to our lucky door prize winners. So you can be out and about again, because we're so excited that it's time to get out and about again yay absolutely and stay tuned next week sunday edition has one more door prize that they'll be giving away and i'll announce that next week um pride month and i heard gabriel join us so i'm really glad pride month recently you took us to mars um you've taken us to some fabulous museums and this month ira is taking us to stonewall and the west village in new york city how exciting it. is that? <laughs> got it. Well, even before we get there, I got to tell you, when you go to Target to get 
your gay socks, which sounds so cool. I had no idea that they had that section. Now I'm going to have to put that in because Target is an IRA access location and Target.com too. So you can actually go on there and order all your pride stuff online if you want. Yeah. You know what? I didn't think of that. Target.com yeah. also is an IRA access point. So we Absolutely. can sit in the comfort of our own living room and order gay socks with an you IRA got agent. it with an agent <laughs> checking all that stuff out. There you go. See, I want to I want to actually put my hands on the socks, though. I think those would be fun. Yeah. So awesome. tell, tell us about the series itself. You've taken us to New Zealand. You've taken us to Mars. Oh, we've gone um, everywhere. So, yeah, actually, it, it's very interesting because I think as many of us kind of look back on our history on Facebook and history on social media that comes up. And this time last year, the country was in a bad, bad place. And there was a lot of tension and a lot of things, you know, brewing and a lot of conversations, uncomfortable conversations about race, about police brutality, about discrimination, all kinds of things like that. And we talked to one of our um, advisors who said, you know, what if we did some trips to museums? And we could have a program. And Stephanie Watts, who is with the ACB Legislative uh, Group in California, and uh, many of you probably met her at the mid-year meeting this year. Stephanie is a fantastic lady, and she came up with this idea. And we said, sure, why not? So we started in August of last year. We called it Afternoon at the Museum. And we have been everywhere from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. We have been to the Shedd Aquarium. We've been to the National Zoo. We have been to the Tuskegee Air Museum. The Veterans Memorial Museum here in Columbus was our last show for the season. But then we said, OK, we're going to do some special programming that we're going to pre-record. And this is where we really had an amazing program that you will get to hear as it premieres tomorrow. And uh, we teamed up with Gabe and Anthony from BPI. And then we also teamed up with Amanda Davis from the NYC LGBT History Project. And this is a group that looks at the history of LGBT spots around the New York City area. And they work toward getting these spots on the National Register of Historic Places, as well as doing walking tours and just all kinds of things. And Amanda brought us an amazing slideshow presentation. And we thought we were going to do this on video. Well, the best laid plans of everybody. Um, Okay, Janine couldn't get the video tracks to link up. Okay, (laughs) we'll admit that. Uh, But the audio is awesome. And we have Agent Alexandra, who was with us to give descriptions of Amanda's slides. And Anthony and Gabe were guests on the show. And that particular program is going to air. It's going to have its debut uh, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. We will be on Clubhouse, so I know there are lots of you out on Clubhouse, and we will be there. We will also be on our YouTube channel, and that will be a live presentation pre-scheduled on our YouTube channel. So um, you're only going to get the audio. There will be a nice graphic, though, up on our YouTube channel that lists the websites of everybody involved and has a very cool graphic from Agent Emma, who does our Instagram account, the most accessible Instagram account on Instagram. 
Woo. <laughs> uh, but Emma made us a beautiful um, rainbow Ira logo and an animated Ira logo with the New York City skyline. So those are going to be fun. And we will we will go on a trip. And this is just uh, it was so amazing to me. I was so caught up in the story that Amanda was telling through the slides and that Alexandra was giving uh, all of the description with that, I, I, that we got to the end and I totally, I totally forgot Amanda's name. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I was so caught up in the story and just knowing Anthony that you have been to all, most if not all of these spots is and your time of living in, in the Big Apple. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, you know, it was definitely um, a bi-level kind of experience for me because the first site that she actually speaks about is somewhere, it's called the Alice Austin House in Staten Island. Um, it's right on the harbor. It is one of the most beautiful spots in New York City. There's oh. gardens and lawns and, and, you know, and of course, you know, the house is a historical museum for her her photography, but, you know, just sitting, I would bring a book, you know, all spring and summer, I would bring a book and, and lay in the garden and just read for a couple of hours, bring a little bit of, oh. you know, a nice coffee or a nice chai tea. And so when, when she mentioned that as the first site, I was just like, wow, you know, this was <laughs> meant to be, but um, yep. what about you, Janine? What was something that you, you learned or something that really, you know, stood out for you about the presentation? Well, what I thought was interesting was the number of places they've been able to get on the National Register. But the sad part was some of the, the statuary in the park across from the Stonewall Inn, uh, was that Christopher Park, that some yeah. of that statuary was not able to be installed until the mid 90s. Um, yeah. It's just amazing to me. But the thing that that I was just that made me smile because I am a great ally of the LGBTQ community. Uh, you know, one of my dear friends that I met when I first lost my sight was transgender, and I remember going to an ACB convention in 1996, and she came to my room with a, a mutual friend and we talked her basically talked her down from committing suicide because she was so upset that you know maybe blind people would not understand her and she didn't really feel welcome anywhere and it you know it I now I just wish she could see she passed away in the early 2000s I believe but um I just wish that she could see all of the things now and that's what got me about this presentation was um, the gentleman who said, you know, in my lifetime, I never thought that I would see, you know, people yeah. being able to gather and celebrate. Yeah. So this is a good time to bring in president of BPI, Mr. Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Gabe. Hey. Gabe was such a I part of muted. our recording too. <laughs> I, was, I was muted. I'm sorry. Hi, hi, Janine. Hi, Anthony. Hi, everyone. And uh, listeners, Sunday edition. Um, so I saved this question. I haven't asked you. Um, you know, sitting around dinner or anything, I didn't ask you what you know what stood <laughs> out the most for you. What What was your favorite part of the presentation? Um, honestly, my favorite part of the presentation was all the stuff that I did not know of, um, because, you know, we all have, you know, the big, the big 
icon for all of us is Stonewall. Uh, but I didn't know that there were so many other um, uh, iconic places and and uh, part of the LGBTQ history. Um, and and I, I want to go there. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love I really love the park with the sculpture um, of of the two couples um, yeah. by who what's his last name? The artist Siegel. I forgot his last name. I'm sorry, uh, but but even more reason to watch or listen in or tune in tomorrow <laughs> so you can hear the details. I I I really want to go to that bench where where the sculpture is, um, and, and and I wasn't aware of all the places. You know, the other the other iconic place in in my mind is has always been the village. Um, you know, and some and you know some parts of Chelsea, uh, but I never knew that uh, Staten Island. <laughs> your hometown, Anthony, had <laughs> yeah. so many iconic LGBTQ history places. So wow, I, I mean, I learned so much. I, I, I was, I was, and Alexandra was amazing. Uh, Amanda's presentation was beautiful, and Janine uh, worked her magic. I'm sure. <laughs> You're gonna uh, like the with, way it turned with the, out <laughs> with the editing. So, so yeah, no, I was very, very excited, and. Um, I, yeah, I, I invite everyone to go in and listen and, and, and learn because it's fascinating. It's truly fascinating. And the, and, uh, the history is just, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's part of, of our history, not only LGBTQ community, but it's part of the history of our country itself. Because I think every time that we find... Uh, 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 one of these movements, uh, civil rights, um, it, it's it's a way in which we have um, America has found its better self, and 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 it's fascinating to hear how history happened. So I want so a full yeah. report from Julius's. <laughs> I yeah. want a full report. I can't believe that place is still open and pretty much looks exactly the same. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Yes, 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 yes. That interior is still the same. Yeah, yeah. And there better be a be photo on Facebook of, of oh, you guys absolutely. there. <laughs> we're going to be using, and hopefully we can get Alexandra, but we're going to be using Ira to do a walking tour. Gabe and I will be in New York for a few days in, in um, July, and we're going we're gonna to follow the the path that we took with Ira and do, Absolutely, you know, do yeah. um, some pictures and, and, and some video and, and be posting it up on the BPI page. Hopefully Janine will put it out over the Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. How, fun. <laughs> <laughs> How fun. You know, for me, um, I've, I've marched in, in the parade in New York city a few times. I, I went year after year after year just to be, you know, a part of my community, part of my group. Um, I won't say what the number was, but I think the thing that stood out to me the most was that, you know, five courageous, incredibly courageous people put yeah. together the very first. Um, and at that time, it wasn't called the Pride Parade. Um, it was the Christopher Street um, Celebrate, was it Christopher Street Pride Celebration 
um, in, you know, in response to the year before what had happened at and with Stonewall. And in one point in the presentation, they show the very, they show a picture and, and Alexandria does an incredible job of describing everything for us, you know, of the very first celebration and last year, um, where that number I'll give, there were 150,000 people celebrating Pride in, in New York City. Last year, in the heart of the pandemic. And, yeah. you know, everybody's got, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people have on masks and it's just wild. I mean, I can't, you know, she said it's an overhead view of just this mass of people, which, you know, this time last year was like, that's the only place that was happening. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty amazing. You know, New York has the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We have um, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. We have the Puerto Rican Pride Parade. Yeah. And, you know, and we have the Halloween um, <laughs> extravaganza. <laughs> but every year, the, the Pride Parade and the Thanksgiving Day Parade kind of tackle back and forth for who has, you know, the highest number of attendees. And, and that just, it, it swells my heart up. Gabe, as president of BPI and it being Pride Month, do you have a message for ACB and what thanks do you want to give to Janine and Ira and Byron in the background if you want to just see if there are any hands while um, Gabe talks a little bit? Sure. Okay. The um, uh, uh, For those of you who listened in and if you haven't heard our Pride Connection with uh, some uh, very, very uh, important leaders, uh, current leaders, and uh, people who have been leaders for for long time uh, of the American Council of the Blind. Uh, we had a wonderful conversation about the beginning of B flag, and then you know transformed into BPI. It's it's my my recurring theme has always been. Um, the fact that ACB will go down in history for having having had the the courage and the and and the sense to to uh, welcome the first affiliate uh, representing the intersectionality of those of us who are blind or visually impaired members of the LGBTQ community. Because we are truly a uh, one of a kind organization, and uh, it's 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 it. There's not even many organizations representing intersectionality of disability and LGBTQ altogether. So um, we are a very very unique organization, and we are under the umbrella of ACB. Um, just uh, this week at work, we had a training um, workshop and um, mm. we had some consultants virtually talking about how diversity, equity, and inclusion are words that have very, that are not complete if you don't talk about intersectionality because we are not just one dimensional we we there's a lot about us whether it be a racial minority uh sexual orientation disability uh, 
you know, ethnic origin. There's so much. We are a combination of so many aspects, and and intersectionality is is definitely uh, a base. Is just the spirit of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, I will say it again: Happy Pride. Um, tune into Pride Connection because we have amazing shows coming up. Um, Absolutely. And we have so much representation this month. And uh, thank you, ACB. Thank you, BPI, because uh, I always say BPI gave me a home. Um, and, and I consider BPI and by extension, ACB, my family. And absolute thanks to Janine and Ira and uh, Amanda, because uh, this this show was just uh, uh, another, another intersectionality. You know, we managed to get the intersectionality of LGBTQ history with um, IRA description. So, you know, it, it, it's wow, amazing the places we can go. Yeah. It, yeah, it we're, worked we're, out so well. We, and <laughs> believe me, we had agents volunteering. I probably had six or eight volunteers who wanted to do this one. So oh. I don't think you guys will have any trouble on your walking tour getting an agent that will really be uh, be excited <laughs> okay. about this. <laughs> awesome. And our first 30 minutes will be free since it's a yeah. follow-up program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm frugal. You, you never know. That. know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> All right, Byron, do we have any hands for Janine? I do not see any hands at the moment, but if uh, people want to talk, please do raise those hands. Yeah, All right. yeah, because well, we Janine... will be at the uh, ACB convention, so, and we're going to have some fun stuff at our booth this year, so stand by for our schedule. We're going to be playing some of our museum shows for people, and then if you want to talk to somebody about the service, you can pop in. Um, we'll have a workshop with Ryan Bishop, our product manager, talking about some of the things that will be coming up in the last quarter of the year for Ira. We're going to have some big big things coming up and uh, we will hopefully by then have some exciting news about our Android app because we have an amazing Android developer now who is going to town on some of the Android uh, things that have been going on with our app. So we're, we're excited about that. Nice. And you'll come back to Sunday edition and we'll get whoever oh, absolutely. the winner Are you of the absolutely. And we'll celebrate <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll announce some more stuff. I will do one more hand check and then I will say thank you, Janine, so much for popping on. Thank you for always, you know, being willing to think outside the box, whether it be for Sunday edition or BPI or ACB in general. And um, those ACB discounts are still available, right? They are absolutely the ACB power plans. So you can actually, for $20 a month, you can get 30 minutes of IRA on the ACB intro power plan. And then on the ACB standard power plan, you can get 140 minutes a month for $99. And that covers, that's uh, 20 minutes more than you would normally get on that plan. So it's either uh, less money and more IRA are what your uh, power plans get you. And you just have to call customer care and that is 1-800-835-1934 or support at ira.io. And we will be happy to get you hooked up. All right, last call for any hands. And I'm Ooh, not seeing no any, hands. but uh, thank you so much, Janine, for coming in. I really enjoy hearing from you every time you're on Sunday edition. It's always fun. 
hey, we'd love to be here and we will see you in a couple weeks at the ACB virtual convention. And uh, next year, I didn't know we were going to be in Omaha, first time in Nebraska. How fun. So can't wait to see everybody in person again. All right, Janine, if you want to hang out and listen to the rest of the presentation, that would be great. Gabriel is going to stay on because we are welcoming Sandra Sermons. And so for the next couple of minutes, we're going to be talking about the IRC um, committee and what they have planned for us for this year's convention. If you all will remember, last year's luncheon was a stellar slamming success. Um, people are still talking about it. And um, <laughs> I know that they've got some great stuff in store for us this year. So Sandra, welcome to Sunday edition. We finally get it together. And I will admit, <laughs> I, have, I, I have been wanting and saying I was going to get Sandra on here and, you know, things every week, there's just some fabulous stuff to do with Sunday edition. And so, you know, when, when I got a call last week, I said, oh, you know what, this is perfect timing. I was going to reach out for IRC anyway. So in the second half of the show, we're going to really take a deep dive and get to know Sandra, but uh, Sandra, Gabe, tell us about what we should expect at convention this year. Okay. So, um, Basically, uh, thank you, first of all, thank you very much, Anthony, for allowing me to um, be on um, Sunday Editions. I, your show is amazing, and I've always, I'm kind of a um, Anthony Corona groupie, you know, I've always wanted to be on your show, so. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we have um, international relations, we have an amazing set of programs this this summer for our convention now we actually are older than 10 years old but we never did have a 10th anniversary celebration so we kind of co-opted that okay this is our 10th anniversary of luncheons and so you know um anybody you know my math skills are definitely lacking and i'll own that now um, we decided we were going to call this our 10th anniversary. So everybody is accustomed to voices from around the world. Like that is um, thanks to Roger Peterson, who actually gave us that name for our, at, at the time it was a reception, but that is the opportunity to come together. We have our international guests um, and it is ACB's opportunity to meet the international guests and welcome them and, and really get to know something about their lives, their culture, what it's like to be in, um, to, to live in say, you know, Beijing or India or Germany or anywhere. Um, so this year, what we're doing is we are calling it um, 10 Voices, 10 Worlds. No, we're not gonna have 10 speakers, guys. <laughs> um, the, the 10 goes back to um, the fact that we're celebrating our 10th anniversary of Voices from Around the World lunches. So we are going to have um, several different people to come to us and, and fortunately with um, it being virtual, um, we are, of course, using Zoom, but we're leveraging that because now um, we can have somebody from anywhere in the world, right? And it, it is as if they're in your living room or they're, you know, and when we go back to convention next summer, still, we have, the, we have Zoom. We have the ability 
to have somebody who is um, completely around the world, um, it, it feels like you're sitting across the table from them. So um, I am not going to tell you all of our speakers um, because it is a carefully guarded secret. You guys will have to come and find out. Um, but one of the people, several of the people actually are going to be from the Middle East. And those speakers, I think, are gonna be particularly good um, because we have not really had a whole lot of representation from that uh, particular region of the world. And so um, to, to have those kinds of conversations, okay, you know, what is it like for um, a woman who lives in the Middle East, you know, um, that intersectionality between, okay, I, I am, you know, I know that as a person who's blind or low vision, that, you know, I'm as good as anyone else. I can do everything that everyone else can do, but I'm a woman and I have a disability. And, you know, how, how does that work? How, how do I kind of bridge that intersectionality um, that exists? So we're gonna have that sort of a conversation and I strongly encourage you to um, join us for that. That's um, Tuesday from 4 to 6.45. We will also be, um, we'll have a tribute to our, some of our past um, members of international relations. And so uh, the folks like Janice Kent, the late great Janice Kent, um, since she has passed away, we will have somebody who's gonna feature her, um, the work that she's done over the, while she was a part of the committee and we'll have you know rep, um, somebody that is going to um, share with us about Janice Kent, um, Josephine Defini, Lauren Casey, that those are a few of the members who are no longer with us unfortunately and then we have we've scheduled um, like people like Roger Peterson who's one of the founding members and Pam Shaw um, to actually come to us and, and give us a few, uh, share with us, you know, a few uh, snippets about what it was like as part of the being on the committee and what kinds of things that they did. So we also are going to be, we're going to try to have door prizes. Um, it's not something that we've ever attempted, but we'll, we'll try and we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so I definitely encourage you all um, to attend Voices from Around the World. It promises to be like none other that you've ever ha had and seen before. So do come. Um, the second event that we're planning to have, and I'm going to kind of dovetail, dovetail it to Gabe, is going to be called Global Tales. And that's T-A-I-L-S. Um, and I'm Ooh. going to let <laughs> yeah, it's Global Tales. It, I'll tell you the first part. I'll tell you what precipitated it, and then Gabe can share what we're actually going to do. So um, I saw an article about the first guide dog school in Beijing, and they were setting it up, and they were talking about, you know, how it was established and why. And Okay, so I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder how other, like it, what other guide dog schools there are in countries. So we know that there are guide dog schools in, you know, Madrid, like the Europeans, and the, but how about everywhere else? 
And from there, I'm going to let Gabe share um, what we ended up with. You, Thank you sneaky, sneaky, sneaky Gabe, you did not tell me a thing about this. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's very exciting. Um, when Sandra brought it to the committee, we were on board. Um, and and uh, it's it's also uh, so this is this is Sandra already explained how it started and how it branched out. Uh, we have been contacting schools from other parts of the world and uh, some uh, getting some information. Uh, we're gonna have some questions. Uh, like Sandra says, we're not gonna give it away so that people, but we're gonna give you a taste of 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 what to expect. Um, you know, we we sometimes take a lot for granted here in America. And uh, there are places in which people, blind people have have a hard time with a situation like having a guide dog, um, lack of national regulation protecting their rights as guide dog handlers um cultural barriers you know the middle east for example yeah. like sandra was mentioning uh we 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 are focusing a lot in that area because uh those of us who have had the experience with middle eastern uh uber or lyft drivers who have shared with us uh, actually anthony and i had an experience in washington dc where they have shared with us that it is a cultural and almost a religious um, thing where they see dogs as as animals that are not that shouldn't clean. be near people because they're not yeah. clean, and it's and 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 all these um, considerations are are things that we will discuss and that we will have uh, you know subject matter experts uh guide dog handlers and and actual trainers from other parts tell us how they have navigated and how the landscape looks for um for uh guide dog handlers in other parts of the world and honestly uh, this is something that is probably far-fetched but we hope that with this uh being acb uh a not only North America, but with all the virtual environment, ACB becoming uh, such a leader in um, consume as, as a consumer organization representing blind and visually impaired individuals around the world. Um, we hope that this will resonate and this will actually get, uh, we all know that there has been some talk um, I'm honestly not aware of, of the progress that has been made through the United Nations to pass uh, global regulation protecting guide dog handlers. Uh, me as an international traveler, when I go to Honduras, I, you know, I've had certain issues and certain situations and there's no regulation protecting my rights as a guide dog handler when it comes to public accommodations. So all of that um like i said that's not the intent originally but we really hope that this is going to plant a seed and that there's going to be um that it's going that our program is going to resonate 
and it's going to have an effect because that's what we're looking for. You know, we're looking to inform people, bring a, a, something that has international. Obviously, that's the nature of our committee. So we, we wanted to bring something that has uh, some weight in the international community for blind people. And, um, and, and we hope that it's going to probably turn into, into something that, uh, that, will, that will become an, an international advocacy initiative. And wow. I'm sure that, you know, uh, the, the World Blind Union is meeting this, uh, this month. Uh, because last year it got, uh, the, the uh, oh, meeting yeah. got postponed. So, you know, these are some things that we're going to be looking into moving forward. And I know Sandra and um, some of us, the committee, will uh, are, are trying to make an effort to attend some of the sessions that, since they're virtual and some of them are free. So much, much more to expect so I'm, I'm not going to say anything else, <laughs> like Sandra says. Uh, I, the, well, stick uh, around for name, another minute or so. <laughs> just the name, just the name itself, Global yeah. Scales, is just, it's just phenomenal. So, so yeah, join us uh, and, and, and we'll have some fun. So stick around for just a minute. Um, I, I am not ashamed at all to admit that I thought to myself, um, over the last few months after the success of last year's luncheon. And, you know, it was just, it was that good that I thought to myself, wow, how are they going to top this? But um, seems to me, you guys, you guys put together some programming that is going to excite the heck out of ACB. So kudos and congratulations to that first and foremost. But um, I just want to ask, looking back on last year and, and when you went into the, the planning process for this year, you know, what stands out to you from last year and, and what, you know, did, did you guys go into the mindset with like, what are we going to do to top that? <laughs> uh, I, I, Sandra, help me out. You know what? <laughs> it, 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 we did because honestly, last year, uh, we, we were very stressed because everything was so new. Everything was via Zoom, which was good like Sandra said you know you know we had people from all over the world literally and um but it was stressful you know how are we going to do this how are we going to make sure that you know we are factoring in all different time zones we had people from Philippines to Germany to um Turkey so so it was it was interesting and uh, we we were blown away with 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 the reception and, and the way people uh, were were just you know the the the, 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 the just just the reception that our our event had last year and obviously near and dear to my heart because it was a combination again intersectionality. Um, yeah. You know, we were focusing on LGBTQ and blindness issues around the world because our panelists talked about their experience, not only as being part of the LGBTQ community, uh, they talked about being blind or visually impaired, and they talked about the interse intersectionality of both in their, in their uh, corresponding countries. And um, I was a little bit scared. Um, the committee was a great support because... I was a little bit scared when uh, we 
uh, I mentioned that uh, one of our panelists, uh, Jose from Venezuela was not fluent in English and the committee said, you know, if you're willing to translate, let's do that. That's, that's who we are. We are international. We are international relations. So, so absolutely, you know, uh, um, translation is, 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 is great. And apparently that's something that people loved, received well and loved. And um, I think also generated the, the thought or, or reactivated because it had been talked before, but it reactivated the need to um, have special programming uh, to welcome or incorporate more Hispanic or Spanish speaking blind uh, members into ACB. So, so that, that was our thought process last year, this year. Yes, go ahead. So, um, you know, we, I, I will say this, um, fortunately, ACB has been extremely kind to the International Relations Committee, to our committee um, over the past years. Um, you've always, ACB has always been receptive and kind of, you know, waiting um, with bated breath to see what we were going to come out with, you know, the next, for the next year. Mm -hmm. Now, Sometimes it has been a bust, but <laughs> um, you still, you, you will, ACB has allowed that to happen <laughs> and, and they still <laughs> come back for more, right? <laughs> so, um, but also um, what we try to do is we try to kick different, I, I fortunately have a wonderful committee um, and we have different, we come from different backgrounds and, and we can kick around ideas, you know, we can agree, we can disagree, we can agree, we can, you know, and ultimately end up with um, a, a very good end product, you know, um, nonverbal communications. Well, you know, um, as people who are blind or have low vision, we're taught our cultural norms, but when we go to, we go abroad to other countries, we may or may not know what those cultural norms are. And because for us, um, our, our disability is a lack of information. Our, we need access to information, okay? Yeah. We can't see whether or not a woman is wearing a veil. Is she wearing a veil? Is she wearing a scarf? Is she, you know, we, we, can't, we can't see that. We can't see people's expressions when, um, as a woman, we are unveiled or uncovered, you know, um, and therefore we have to um, develop the questions and techniques to get the information, the nonverbal information that we need, because as you know, you know, um, it, it can be fairly minor, you know, a minor faux pas to, to something far more significant you know um you go to certain parts of the world as as a female and not be and you have you know are not covered your face isn't covered and you're liable to get acid thrown in your face right um yeah. so you it, it is that developing those kinds of questions that we need to ask in order to get the nonverbal information um that is critical 
sometimes when we travel. So we, we just sort of kick around ideas. And, um, you know, we, like I said, we don't always agree, but we, we do ultimately come to a consensus. And then we run from, we, we run with it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I try to, to weigh in last because it, it's not a Sandra show, you know? Um, I am the chair, but that doesn't mean that I get to make all the decisions, you know? Um, I, I get to share, share the wealth, right? So if it doesn't right. do well, it's not all my fault. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of putting it. We can, we, can, we can equally share in the disaster, you know? Um, <laughs> fortunately for us, it, it most of the time, it has been an amazing success. And we've just migrated. Uh, we went from a, from a reception to a luncheon. And, and I can't thank ACB enough um, for always being supportive, always being willing to give, um, to provide ideas and suggestions. Uh, you know, we migrated with the Zoom. And I, I okay, I wasn't just scared. I was terrified because I just didn't know how everything was going to work or if it was gonna work. Um, and what's worse, I didn't have a plan B. So if it didn't work, we had a serious problem. Um, <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> you know, but that was a new experience and it, it, yeah. it dawned, you know, it now it has made the committee better. It has made the organization better because part of the problem we have is funding, you know, especially yeah. from yeah. developing countries. We can't bring the people that we'd like to, they can't afford to come because we can, and we can't help, uh, we can't provide stipends. And since people don't often travel alone, it's them and their assistant. Well, if we can't pay for them, we absolutely can't pay for their assistant, you know, their guide. Yeah, so, and then there's consider visa considerations and all, right. that, all the other and, aspects that come into you know, traveling to America. And Zoom or WhatsApp, that is a far less expensive proposition. Uh, oh, yeah. than trying to pay for an actual, you know, ticket, accommodations, what have you, um, makes it far more feasible. And it, and it allows us to hear from regions of the world that we might not have an opportunity to hear from. Um, mm -hmm. And while I'm thinking about it, before I forget, besides our, our convention programming, please turn, tune in um, to the August issue of the Braille Forum or the Braille eForum, because that is our um, issue. And the theme is the world turned inside out. And I strongly encourage you all to take a look at the issue because it is going to be amazing. Well, housekeeping wise, Byron, I'm gonna ask you to look for hands while I tell Sandra, I'm, I'm going to wag the tail a little bit because when I was in guide dog school, I encountered a, a gentleman who was from the Middle East and um, he was coming back for his second dog. And he told the story about how his in-laws, his, his wife's parents, basically, you know, through every kind of fit you can imagine saying that if you touch the dog, you can't touch our daughter. You, you won't be clean anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was such a foreign idea. I'm like, what? <laughs> man's best friend, you know, that's the cleanest animal you're going to come across. What do you mean if you touch a dog, you can't touch your wife? But so I'm really looking forward to that program. And I'm going to, uh, some people like to list names, some people don't, but I want to give you a moment to shout out to your committee, whether you want to use names or just a, a general shout out. 
Sandra? No. <laughs> I was going to say no. Did we lose Sandra? Did you hear me? Oh, no, oh, you were muted for. Yeah, okay. you, we, we lost you. Now we can hear you. Okay, I said, um, let's, you, what, what was the, can you repeat the question? Um, I want to give you a moment to shout out to your committee. Some people use names, some people want to just do a general, but whatever shout out you want to give ah, to your committee. Okay, so um, absolutely. So first, um, there is Naomi Soul of Missouri, Maria Kristich of New York, Meryl Schechter, Maryland, Oral Miller, Washington, D.C., Alan Casey, North Carolina, Sue Bowmaster, Virginia. Those are my committee members. Awesome. All right, Byron, before we go into a deep dive into who is Sandra, Sandra, uh, do we have any hands about International Relations Committee? I, <clears throat> excuse me, I do not see any hands at the moment, um, although I just wanted to point out that, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, international food is amazing. And so if you guys ever have an in-person event uh, where you showcase some awesome international food like uh you know like uh, when i went to australia um god i loved their they have so many different you know candies and things so if you guys ever decide to have some sort of international food highlight invite me i will show up with an empty stomach <laughs> i think we'd get awesome a lot idea. of tears to that kind of event yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right Byron, did, did we have a promo for intermission we sure do. Let me go ahead and cue that up. Um, this All one right. is a promo for uh, BPI and Pride Connection. And awesome. We'll be, we'll right, be back. right back with Sandra. Do you remember BPI? Oh, yeah. Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy, so when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on, on ACB Radio Mainstream. That is awesome. I, I, yes, I just I have, love hearing I had not heard <laughs> of that promo that, oh my God, Debbie and jason and the entire acb radio team you guys are so talented <laughs> did you guys happen to hear um when chris and i did our uh pride connection show chris and we i did. put together an we opening did. at the Loved very beginning it. he played he's got a banjo lele which is a ukulele and a banjo combined and so he uh did a beautiful rendition of rainbow connection and then i did the Loved intro it. yep Loved it. we love it. it. Loved beautiful it. beautiful 
I am so, Mr. Gabriel, to... I am going to excuse you because it yeah. is time to really get into it. It is time. It is, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, I just you wanna, can keep talking. You can keep talking. No, no, I just, um, I, before I, I, I um, leave the call, I'm going to continue listening on on uh, ACB Radio Mainstream. Uh, I just wanted to thank you, Sandra, for, um, you know, the leadership uh, of the International Relations Committee. I love, love, love the committee. I love serving on the committee. And I, you know, it's, it's a committee with great potential. And uh, you have definitely maximized the potential and we continue to branch out and uh, just, just wonderful. I, I, I just wanted to mention that we are going to be participating on the walk as well. Sandra, I know you. We didn't mention. Do you want to tell folks the name that our walk team is going to have? Yes, we are the International Globe Trotters. Nice. Um, <laughs> yes. yes. You see, thank we're you, creative. Alan. Yes, thank you, Alan, for that name. If you're out there listening, um, and we strongly encourage you all to, you know, we're we're sign up. You know, we're trying to raise money. We we. Definitely, we did it last year as well and um, got a, a really good response. So um, definitely, we are strongly encouraging you all uh, to show your support for our committee and for our, the virtual walk, the team. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll leave the two of you for some fun conversation. I'll be listening in again, Sandra and the entire committee. Uh, thank you. And the ACB and those of you listening out there, do not miss the IRC programming this year. It's going to be phenomenal as always. Fantabulous. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll talk to you in a little while. So, Sanjas, I got to tell you, first off, I don't know if you were ever a fan of the show 227, but every time I hear your name in the back of my head, I also hear, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, I've got uh, two bones to pick with you. Mm-hmm. Apparently, we have more in common than we've ever actually discussed in our great phone conversations. Um, I did not know you were once an ACB intern as well, and I did not know that you spent, I believe it was a year living abroad, um, both of which uh, you know I have done in my life as well. So I'm sure we're going to get to that as we talk, but first and foremost, tell us, Sandra, Tell us, you know, little Sandra growing up, give us, give us a glimpse into who you are as a person. Okay, so who am I? Well, um, from a very early age, I have um, an incredible mom, um, family, and she always stressed that I could do everything that everyone else could do. I'm, it may be a bit different, but um, I may do things a little differently, but I, I can still do them. And so I had a, a normal childhood. Um, I learned to ride a bike, um, roller skate, ice skate. Um, and I can remember my cousin and I were on our bikes racing down this hill and I got too close to the edge. And so I swerved and fell over a cliff, right? Oof. <laughs> and now 
most parents would be, you know, oh my God, my child, oh my God, you know, finding the nearest hospital. And my mom's response was, look, if, if you're going to race down a hill, um, can you please not do it the day before you go to summer camp? Because now <laughs> I, have to, <laughs> I have to try to tell the people that I didn't abuse you, but you and your cousin were racing down this hill and you fell over a cliff, okay? Could, could you, if that's what you want to do, fine. But could you just not do it? Please don't do it the day before you have to go to summer camp. Um, fortunately, the director was a friend of my family. She knew us and she knew that, okay, I, I was doing age appropriate things. And so, you know, my mom telling her that I was racing my cousin down a hill um, was perfectly okay with her because that's what 10-year-olds do, you know? Um, I'm very happy to report that before I wrecked my bike, I was winning the race, you know? All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was much angrier at the fact that I wrecked my bike than I was, you know, being hurt. Oh, no, I didn't care anything about being hurt. I was mad because I wrecked my bike. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I, I had um, a wonderful childhood. You know, um, friends, I was president of my student council in fifth grade, and all that good stuff, you know. Um, but my mom's motto was education, you know, because her, her, what she said to me, you know, okay, you can't push someone's broom, you can't drive someone's truck. So whatever job you get is going to have to be cerebral, you know, brain power. Yeah. That means you have to have the best education possible, okay? So um, I was a good student. I did well. Um, I, I had a very good education. Um, went to one of the best schools in the county. I, I went to public school. I was mainstream. Um, and I had a really good Braille teacher. Um, I can remember as a kid, um, he was sighted, but he could read Braille with his fingers. So we would have these races. He'd have to close his eyes and we'd race. And I was about nine years old before I could beat him, you know? And I remember thinking, um, even as a child, like he managed to instill trust in me because I remember thinking, okay, he could easily have cheated. I would have had no way of knowing you know, yeah. but that's not what he did. That is not what he did, nor did he let me win. So when I yeah. finally did win, it was fair and square, you know? And it meant something. Um, yes, it did. Um, and it also established a level of trust that I don't think I had up to that point. You know, I was kind of ornery and, you know, rambunctious and, you know, um, <clears throat> I always wanted to know why I won, you know. Um, but I think after, at that, that was a pivotal moment because from then on, I don't think he had any more difficulty, you know, getting me to do whatever it is I was supposed to be doing, you know. Um, so I was, I was fearless to a point, right? Um, I used to think that my body was made of titanium. Um, you couldn't tell me otherwise. But as I grew older, I did start to develop some fears. One of them happened to be crossing streets. 
So one day, um, I did something wrong. I don't even remember what it was, but my teacher told me, my O&M instructor told me that I was, we were gonna, I was gonna cross the street or we were gonna stand on the street corner until I did, right? All right. <laughs> now. Was it hot? <laughs> well, it was typical Florida weather, so yes, it was. Um, but at that point, I had lived in Florida all my life, so I didn't know anything but hot weather. Like, I, you know, Four Seasons was something I read about in a book, but I didn't really experience it. So it being hot wasn't the problem. Um, so we stood there, and we stood there, and we stood there, and we stood there. Finally, I sat down because my legs got tired, right? Girl. <laughs> two, and <a> half, <laughs> two and a half hours <laughs> later, my teacher had to finally take me home because I missed the bus, right? And she she threatened to tell my mom. And normally a threat, you know, I'm going to tell your mommy, oh, that was enough to make me do whatever. Well, this time I said, you can tell her, better yet, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll tell her for you. So we get home and I, you know, and I told my mom and now I'm expecting some serious punishment, right? I mean, in fact, I, I prayed to God along the way because I'm like, I think, uh, God, I'm going to be seeing you. You need to open up the pearly gates because I'm going to be seeing you real soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but two hours surprise, my mom, you don't have to. And my teacher said, what? She said, if she doesn't want to cross the street, she does not have to. Fast forward 20 years. I said, we had a conversation, my mom and I, and I said, how come you, you know? She said, I raised you to never ask a question unless you're prepared to hear the answer. In all these many years, did it ever occur to you? I'd never once asked you what happened on that corner. I thought about it. I said, she said, I don't want to know. Whatever happened on that corner terrified you. And I wanted no part of terrifying my baby. So if you didn't want to cross the street, you didn't have to. Wow. Um, that did me a disservice though, later on. The, the, the problem was that both my mom and my O&M instructor were cited and they couldn't get me past you know, as a, a blind girl, you know, what I needed was a confident traveler who was blind, who used a cane, and could show me you really can cross the street successfully. But neither of them had were that were fit that bill, and it didn't occur to them that that would cure my fear. And so, as a result, I lost four good years of cane travel. That's the one regret in terms of my education is that I am not nearly as good a cane traveler as I could have been um, had I had that four years of practice. Because that happened in eighth grade. I didn't cross the street again until alone with a cane until uh, the middle of my senior year because it occurred to me that I was going off to school and my friends couldn't take me to class. So I was going to have to learn how to get around. Oops. Okay. So then I 
started taking mobility again. But I had lost the, those four years and the damage was done. Well. Did, did you ever, um, I have a question, Anthony, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Did you, when did you finally encounter another blind person that was a, a good cane traveler and uh, helped to convince you that, yeah, you can cross the street because I'll tell you that in my own personal experience, uh, I've always been really bad, bad at cardinal directions and I've had sighted mobility instructors try to explain it to me and help get it through my thick skull. Um, but until I had a blind mobility instructor, which is rare, um, and that really shouldn't be the case, but you know, people are so worried about, oh, you know, uh, how's this blind person gonna know if the yeah. other blind person's in danger? Yeah. So until yeah. I actually had a blind instructor, I didn't actually really yep. know my cardinal directions. Um, what what caused me to to resume cane travel was the knowledge that I was going off to college. None of my friends were coming with me. And even if they were, I wanted to take early morning classes and they weren't early morning people. That is what precipitated me to start taking mobility again. But it wasn't until college, ACB really, um, being in ACB that I met some competent cane travelers. I, I'm gonna weigh in here too. You know, I was not a competent traveler until I got Bodie, the, my dog. Um, never never liked the kink, you know, that whole, that they tell you it'll become an extension of yourself. I'm a fast talking, fast moving New Yorker. So every crack that was a little too much of a crack, you know, would break my rhythm. And, and I just, I never got the confidence, but I'm, I'm starting to wonder, had I had a blind O&M instructor, um, I might have had I might have had a different experience with the cane. So when you finally when you finally did that first street crossing by yourself, walk us through it. What did it feel like? What do you remember about it? Um, I I still didn't like it, and to this day, I still don't. I still okay. Let me say it this way. I understand that for me independence means I cannot always travel with somebody. I don't want to always travel with, with someone. So I, when I cross the street, okay, I have to suck it up. Um, I don't like it. And if I thought I could get away with not doing it um, and still be independent, I would never cross another street. But I understand that, you know, um, grown-ups do grown-up things. And if, if I'm calling myself a professional, I can't roll over just because I don't like crossing the street. I need to pr say a prayer, suck it up, and keep it moving. I like that. So you got to college. You found ACB. What's, um, when did you find your actual direction? Or did you know when you were going to college what you wanted to do? Well, I knew, um, I wanted, well, okay, when I was in high school, the Berlin Wall was falling, okay? So mm -hmm. I can vividly remember President Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall, right? Yep. 
and and trust but verify. And and Margaret Thatcher. Now this is a a man with whom one can do business, right? Um, those things were fascinating to me. And in history, Mr. Heineman, right? Um, we would have class participation, and I always had a current event. Nine times out of ten, it was the Berlin Wall or something in Eastern Europe. And he got to the point where he wouldn't even let me raise my hand. He'd say, sermons, don't even think about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so my mom actually, because um, usually, you know, I'm watching the news and I'm taking notes and making sure. I, and so I stopped doing that. And she she was wondering what was up, you know? So she calls Mr. Heineman and says, you know, what's going on? You know, Sandra's like, you know, and he's, he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, I don't, she, I don't see her watching the news as avidly as she did, you know? And he was like, okay, it was March at the time. He said, she has so much credit. If she doesn't say anything for the rest of the year, she will have an A plus in class participation. At this point, she's taken to giving her friends the current event because she knows I won't let her raise her hand, right? <laughs> <laughs> and my mom's like, well, how do you know she's giving other people? She's like, he's like, because these people, these students that barely, you know, know the geography of, of the United States are suddenly talking about President Gorbachev and Roy, Roy you know, um, Raisa Gorbachev pulling out the American Express card she had when she visited New York. She, he's like, that has sermons all over it. I know that sermons, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, mama, okay, right. So um, definitely something something in politics, you know, um, international relations, which I later found out, you know, that's what it's called. Um, and initially I was gonna go to, um, I was gonna attend Stetson University because college was a must in my household. Like my mother said to me, come my 18th birthday, um, either I would be attending somebody's university or I would need to find another place to live because she, she wasn't playing, right? Like not going to school was not an option. Um, so I was planning to attend Stetson. And then I found that one of my other friends was telling me about American University. And she, she didn't want me to go so far away, you know? Um, but, uh, and she went so far as like destroying the letter that my acceptance letter, but I called them and they're like, we sent it and we'll, so we'll send another one. So ultimately um, she, she had to come clean and yeah, I had been accepted and, you know, and on top of that, they were giving me uh, more scholarship money um, than, than Stetson was. And she's like, okay, if I'm going to insist that you go to Stetson, I also then am going to have to kick out the extra cash because, you know, scaling it, um, still American University was giving me way more financial aid than Stetson was. So what she said was, you know, I could go to um, American University. She was kind of hoping I wouldn't, but I could. She said, but, you know, if, if I went to Stetson, um, she would come out of pocket with with the difference because I would have had it had I gone to AU. So I ultimately decided to, to attend American University. 
Um, and that was uh, one of the best decisions that I have ever made in my lifetime. It was a, it was a, a life-changing event. Nice. How about coming to ACB? What was your initiation into the American Council of the Blind? Okay. So actually, I have to go backward. All right. So All right. Mr. Heineman showed this tape, this film of the Moscow Circus, right? Mm -hmm. And when they were the performing, instead of the, the um, typical, you know, everybody's applauding, so you... You, there was this rhythmic clapping, like the syncopated clapping. And they did that because they didn't want to be individual. It was all about the collective. And so I went to, I ended up going to Moscow. I ended up going to the Moscow Circus and they clapped the same way. So I sent him a postcard of the Moscow Circus and I told him, that they still clap the same way as they did when you showed them. <laughs> <laughs> Which he got a kick out of. Um, ACB, so I was a freshman in college and I decided to do some volunteer work in the vision program of the DC public schools. And um, I ended up volunteering in Janice Kent's classroom. And so we started talking, got to be friends, and she introduced me to ACB. Um, I had a, I already had a very strong um, advocacy bent. I hadn't taken it to the next level, but I understood the concept because I had to do it for myself so often. Um, you know, ensuring that I got access to what I needed or wanted, you know? Um, a few times that one teacher accused me of cheating because I didn't take the test in the same room as my classmates. Mm. And <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I retook the test. I let her be my reader. I typed my answers and I actually did even better that time even though it was harder and I hadn't had another chance to study. Um, that was advocacy, like my mom infused that into me just as she infused, um, you know, respecting your elders and getting a good education and being God-fearing. She instilled um, the values of having the courage to stand up for what you believe, regardless of what's going on around you. You stand up for what you believe. Um, and I can remember uh, as a child, this one girl didn't like me. And one day I asked her, Katrina, how come you don't like me? Because you, and her response was, because you stand up for what you believe, regardless of who else agrees with you. Yet, you know what? I can live with that. Yeah, that's fine. So um, I had that part. You know, um, but ACB, um, it was a very empowering experience because there were competent people who were blind or visually impaired, good, strong braille readers, you know, they can get from place to place. I want to be like that when I grow up, right? 
Um, I mean, could, would go anywhere, would have fun. Okay, blindness didn't define them. They, it might govern how they did something, but it did not stop them from living, right? And there's a difference between existing and living. They were living, thriving, being active members of their community, the blind community and just the community at large. Yeah. They were talking over ideas. They were networking. I think we might've lost you again. Hit your mute button. Creating, um, creating resources, coming up with innovative solutions to problems. I wanted to be a part of that. I, I wanted to be a part of that. That and, you know, I did go to NFB and I felt like it was very cultish, um, very, 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 very cultish. Um, blindness can be reduced to a mere nuisance. Okay, if you believe that I have a bridge, I can sell you. Uh -huh. um, that, a great that discount. is nonsense, right? Okay, yeah. I knew, even back then, I'm like, who are you trying to convince? Because that, okay, that, 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 um, strays from the truth considerably okay and and but acb we were people first which means that some people had good cane skills some didn't some people had good braille skills some didn't right yep but we met the the built environment and we collaborated to find solutions to whatever the problem happened to be. That I could work with, I, I got that. And I could subscribe to that philosophy and thrive on that philosophy because that is the way that my mom raised me, you know? Um, there will be challenges, but what sorts of workarounds can you find? How can you, um, overcome an obstacle, you know? Um, and making making the world a bit better, your small corner of the world, making it better off than the, than the way that you found it. Um, that's what ACB, you know, that's what I was um, introduced to in ACB. And it sort of just continued, you know, followed along the path of progression from the way that my mom raised me. Plus. So, go ahead. Um, actually, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll save that for later on. I, you know, we don't, Sunday Edition doesn't shy away from the interesting or, or you know, the off, um, the tough questions, let's call them. So, okay. you know, you're a woman, you're blind, yep. you're a person of color. You know, you have you have what some folks would say, you know, three, three marks, um, you know, you've got three right. intersectionalities going there that make the world harder for you as an individual. Um, you know, I can relate in some ways. I'm LGBTQ, you know, I'm now blind. Um, so, you know, having those intersectionalities and, and knowing that the world can be harder at times because of those things. How much of that did your mom, you know, did, did, did your mom give you a good picture of the three of them? How much of that has, has influenced your life up to this point? 
So yes, she did. Uh, her her sentiment was that I will I will always have to do twice as much to get half as far. Okay. Um, and that was just it was it was um, real. That was my reality. I had already started to to experience it. When, when the teacher accused me of cheating, you know, um, yeah. it, it what you know, and so she, she taught me from a, so like, for example, um, I had books, my books were in braille, but I didn't have all, I didn't always have my books in braille or recorded or, you know, whatever alternative format I needed at the time, okay? So she spent hours reading to me. Now, her thing was, okay, so let's say I had something to do, um, some homework to do. And I told her I needed her help at 10 p.m. Okay, she was not going to be a happy camper and thus neither was I, okay? <laughs> but if I told her during dinner, that I needed her help. And let's say dinner ended at six. Even if she had started reading from say 6.30 to 11.30 PM, she would have had no problem with that. Because it, it is doing the behind the scenes work, working twice as hard as my sighted peers to get what I needed to get done. If I didn't have a braille book or a recorded book, she gladly read for me and she had no problem reading for me. She gladly, anything I need, her only request was that I didn't drag my, I didn't procrastinate. Now, if I procrastinated, we had problems. Um, that was my social life that was going to suffer. Good lesson okay? to teach. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my, my, okay, you know, because she would say, okay, you know, let me know if you need my help. And I remember waiting, knowing I needed her help and waiting until she was getting ready to go to bed. Oh, mama, I need you. Okay. That happens again. You will not be going anywhere this this weekend it happened again guess what he's in home. all weekend <laughs> yeah i was home yep. right um or if it happens again that's gonna be half your allowance well after that i was good because okay but if assuming i had told her in ample time then then the amount of reading um would have been no problem to her even if I, I was working on something, for example, in the tape pot, okay, no worries. Even if I had to wake her up, she'd wake up, read whatever I needed and go back to bed and there'd be no problem. Um, nice. Pac-Man, I wanted to be able to play Pac-Man in other video games. So when my friend, if I didn't get it, after my friends left, she would work with me until I did. Um, I can wow. remember playing Pac-Man over the weekend. I don't think I went to sleep, right? 48 hours <laughs> worth of Pac-Man. But <laughs> by the come Monday afternoon, 
when my friends wanted to play Pac-Man again, guess what? I knew how to play Pac-Man. That's a portrait and dedication. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing, I'm hearing so much of of determination, of yeah, a little bit of stubbornness, which is not a, a bad whole thing. A lot of stubbornness, yes. <laughs> Balanced out with responsibility, you know, knowing consequences, knowing, you know, that we have to be respectful of those that want to help us. We have to be respectful of those, you know, who a are, you know, gener generously giving of their time, energy, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and knowing when when to ask for help and being, you know, being given the permission that, hey, you know, you're going to have to. I, I love when, you know, when I meet a blind person and it may, it might be from that organization or whatever. And it's like, you don't ever ask for help. What, what, why wouldn't I? <laughs> the biggest thing my father instills in us was if you don't, if you don't know something, ask. If you need something, ask, you know. Um, it didn't translate it is, to is if you want something, you're not going to get everything. And they told yeah. us this real quick okay. and real hard. You're not going to get everything you want, but right. we will dang well make sure you get everything you need. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it is, and, and I guess my mom's other thing was to ensure that I had a good toolbox because no one thing is going to do the job always. There's, there's not an alternative technique that we have that in and of itself is gonna replace the human eye, no. But what we do have are a series of things, you know? Yeah. Um, we have braille, we have um, electronic versions of things, we have recorded um, information and we have readers. All of those tools, have advantages and disadvantages. Um, so she taught me how to, to use my tools in my toolbox, you know, and to, you know, Pac-Man, Double Dutch, any of those things. Um, if I, I wanted or a lot of time, especially as a, as a kid, um, the, the goal was to be age appropriate. So she was more than willing to put in the work to ensure that I could double dutch as well as the rest of my girlfriends, that I could um, play video games, if not as well, at least, you know, reasonably well to where I wasn't always last, you know? Um, yeah. That was standard. And that's, you know, we I went from Pac-Man and double dutch to, to school, you know, to high school, to advanced, um, advanced placement English history and anatomy to um, university to living abroad to whatever else you know so let's jump into you, you know it, it strikes me you your interest uh, that that's shown through in in your junior high and high school years you made it happen um but let's definitely jump to living abroad what's um what stands out for you what was what were some of the best experiences well, when I went abroad, I was like most Americans, we, we think that um, America is best. Mm. We are the mm. end all and the be all, okay? Um, that isn't true. Uh, our way is not the only way. 
and it's not the best way. So but I, when I first went um, away to Prague, I wasn't really sure what the cuisine was gonna be like. So I packed some food. <laughs> oh my God, that is so American. <laughs> I, I, we could have two suitcases. I had a big suitcase and a small suitcase and the big suitcase had food, right? Girl, go that, on. <laughs> that, wouldn't, that wouldn't have been so bad if my host family hadn't caught me unpacking it, right? But it gets worse. Uh-oh. I guess at that point, I was supposed to apologize gracefully and say, you know, um, I'm sorry about that, whatever, whatever. Well, that's not what I said. Uh-oh. They, they were like, you think we don't have food? You know, do, do you think you're going to survive on that little bit of food, right? Well, there was two weeks of food because um, I went two weeks early and I figured within that two weeks, I would either A, decide I didn't like it and would go back to school and wouldn't need to worry about it, or B, decide that I would like it, in which case my mom would replenish my food supply, right? <laughs> but there were my host family's like you don't you don't think we have food do you think you're gonna um survive on that little amount of food and me being me um my mom I, I would say that I I have a great deal of home training you know my mom raised me to be poised and and courteous and okay but all of that went out the window because what I said was I don't know what you all have over here, but you won't be starving me. And mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, but in the city, there were some things that I had to, some, some interesting things that I had to learn. A, we in the United States had these money identifiers that were about like 10 pounds, they were 10 pounds, right? And they weren't mm-hmm. even all that accurate. Um, all, all the most of the time, it would say "cannot read," or you know, it would say ten, and it was supposed to be a tw- some kind, you know, all kind of craziness, right? Their their paper money was different sizes, and they had this little piece of plastic with these raised marks on it, and you could measure the bill and know exactly without you know anybody else's help how much you had, right? Nice. Um, we were trying, we were fighting over whether or not we should have audible pedestrian signals. They had them all over the city. We could not get the bus drivers to call out the stops. Mm-hmm. The, on the trams, the metro, and the bus, they called out each and every stop. So a blind person had no trouble getting around the city. Okay, so who's really doing a better job of it? Them or us? I learned that lesson. Um, wonderful culture, wonderful. Um, I, I taught, well, actually I'll tell you this anecdote as well. So um, I didn't know the word for blind. And so we, we the Czech Republic is known for its bohemian crystal. So, um, my friends saw this shop, this crystal shop that we hadn't been to before. And so 
we go into the shop and they're trying to get the, the shopkeeper to let me touch the glasses because they're behind glass, they're in a case. And so they're, you know, telling me, well, you ought to know the word blind. You are, you're the one who's blind. I'm like, I just got here. What do you mean? I don't know how to speak this language anymore than you do. So we're going back and forth and coming up with all these gestures and lay. Okay, she gets that I can't see, but she doesn't understand why she should let me touch the crystal. I'm like, oh my goodness, what in the... So finally, I pulled out an American Express card, right? She said, ah, she took me by the hand and let me touch every single glass in the entire store and was trying to drag me into the stock room, right? <laughs> I bought a bunch of different sets of crystal and honestly, from that day on, like I couldn't even walk past her shop because when she saw me, she tried to like, more, more, glass, more. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And, but the lesson for that was, Anytime I wanted to touch something, I pulled out the Amex and nine times out of 10, I got to touch it. Or if I was in a village, I pulled out, you know, paper Corona and I got to touch it. They under, okay, she has money that she can spend and she needs to touch stuff. If we let her touch it, she might buy it. Um, that lesson, I also taught English at a school for the blind. I wanted to see how, um, Blind children were educated, how blind people were, were treated. And it was kind of interesting. Um, they had excellent equipment, all kinds of braille displays and stuff. But the attitude toward people with disabilities was horrible. Um, my host sister and I were on the Metro one day, and these two women were talking. And literally one of them, they got up for me and let me sit down. But my check sister, my um, host sister, they said she needed to be locked away. So my being African-American trumped my blindness. I was such a unique looking person that that trumped being blind. Um, wow. When I went to the university, they gave me the key to the elevator. My host sister had been, was a, a senior at the university. She didn't even know there was an elevator. Wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So where would, in the world would you like to spend another year? Um... Well, I don't know that I want to, actually, it was eight months. I don't know that I want to spend eight months anywhere else besides home, um, but I would like to travel again. Um, my next excursion, hopefully, will either be back to Brazil or yeah. um, South Africa, because I've never been to South Africa. They, they have some very interesting um, views on, on disabled folks over there. So I'd love to, when you make that happen, I'd love for you to come back and tell, tell us all about it. Absolutely. Um, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know. So both professionally and ACB wise, you know, it seems the direction that you hit on is pretty much, you know, pretty much 
akin to who you are at, at your core. So what do you what do you want to tell us about your professional life? Um well so what I tried to do was to make sure that I was always unique. Like I I I felt like I always needed to do something different, right? Um so that's why I rebelled against being playing the piano as a kid. I'm like you know, if my mom had just said it was something fun to do, I think I would have stuck with it. But when she said, you know, Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, you can make money. Out. Uh, nope, I don't want to do anything any blind, other blind person does. I'm done. No more. Um, so I have always tried to do something a bit different that is not traditionally done um, by somebody who's blind, because to me, that makes that makes far more of a statement than doing something that every other blind person has been doing for like decades, you know? Um, and so that was a good plan, but it had some caveats. Um, at this point, I, I need some more blind mentors because I'm getting to the point in my career um, where I have surpassed most of my mentors. And so the harder questions that I need to ask and that I need answers to, um, I'm having difficulty because nobody's done it before. And while I'm all for thinking outside the box, there are still some pieces that I'm missing um, and then what do you do when um, the systems, you know, I spend far more time figuring out a workaround to some systemic issue than I spend doing my work. And at what point is enough enough, you know? Yeah. Um, when you... Um, whether it's purchasing a home or, you know, career advancement, um, when you get the feeling of it, it has nothing to do with your credit rating, your credit score, how much money you have in the bank, how, how good and competent you are as a professional, but it is, you're dependent on the ability of your reader to upload how do you come to grips with that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still still searching for that answer. Right. If you find it, let me know because <laughs> same thing. <laughs> right I, back at you. You know, I, I I'm not I, that those are things that I am grappling with, you know? Um and I and I don't have an answer, you know. Um I'll stay, stay prayerful, but if anybody out there in ACB land knows, give me a call because I'm open to suggestions. I, I truly am open to suggestions. Um, we, because it's a lonely, it can be a very lonely proposition indeed. Yeah. So we spoke a few minutes ago, you know, about the intersectionalities that make, make up you know you as as your core 
in your employment history, have you encountered a lot of pushback from any, you know, of those intersectionalities and most especially the blindness part of it? What, you know, you are absolutely, you know, in a unique um, position and, and you're, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, when I say loud, I mean, not afraid. You're, you're a personality that, you know, if, if you're in the room, you know, you're in the room, you know, we know you're in the room. But, um, you know, what kind of pushback, what obstacles have you had to overcome professionally speaking? So, I'm fortunate in the sense that pretty much the accommodations I've asked for, um, I have received, right? So I, I thank God that I, I've had supervisors that GSA, in that sense, GSA has always been good to me. But that assumes I know what I need. What happens when I don't? Mm. What happens when there is a pandemic? I need a new braille note taker. There is a pandemic. So there are no in-person conventions. There are no state conventions. Okay, guys, what sort of note taker? What? How do I um, get another note taker? Because remember, I'm championing, okay, you know, I'm a person. So ask me, don't ask other people what I need. Okay, they come to me. What do you need? Well, that's that. As long as I know, you know, that I mean, I've had supervisors say, you know, we'll follow your lead. We, whatever it is you need, let us know. That is all well and good if I know what it is. But the typical ways of determining that were no longer at my disposal either. We didn't have convention. We didn't see one another. What am I going to do? We um, most, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, we most definitely are gonna have to have a part two of this conversation. I have two more questions for you. But I want okay. to alert Byron. Byron, if you want to let us know, do we have any hands yet? Uh, I do not see any hands at the moment. So uh, we're, we're looking for some participation, guys. <laughs> All right. Pop in and let us know. So, you know, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask another tough question. In your opinion, you know, there's that horrible, you know, looming number, that big 70 percent. Um, First, from someone who has done it her way, you know, with with great success, honestly, and and I, I wonder how much you look back, but we can talk about that in the next conversation. You know, what's why do we have that seventy percent, and what do we need to do to to lower that number significantly? So, um, I would say that um, the ADA. In a lot of ways, it, it was wonderful. You know, it opened the doors to some conversations and it triggered um, some things to happen, which ultimately uh, worked in our favor. But it also did some things that were not so good. So for example, you know, now you have to be politically correct. You can't ask certain things. 
how do you go to the bathroom, right? Now, you can't ask that question. Just because somebody can't ask a question doesn't mean they don't want to know. Yep. And before ADM, you may not have liked the question, but if you answered it to their satisfaction, you got the you job. got better. Yep. You got the job. Now they can't ask, but they still want to know. So it's like you're playing Russian roulette, hoping that what you the things you throw out are addressing what they're thinking, the questions that they that they have, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had supervisors go all around the mulberry bush. I finally, I'm like, okay, what do you want? I mean, surely it can't be that bad. What, what do, you're, if you're, if you're not asking me who I'm sleeping with, what, what would you like me to ask? You know, what, what's your question? What would you like to ask me? As long as it doesn't deal with my personal life, you know, we, I'll answer. And, and finally, well, how do you use your computer? Because you, they uh, had a supervisor um, thinking was going to write me up for being on the phone excessively. I am never, I mean, I can count the number of personal calls I've taken at work in 20 years on two hands. So that couldn't be it. I'm like that. Okay. So I had a conversation. I said, you know, what can I ask? What makes you think that I'm on the phone excessively, like on personal calls? And she said, well, you always have your headset on. That's when you're talking about, no, my headset is so that I can hear Jaws while I'm working. <laughs> so literally I had, you know, we had this conversation and I put the, she put the earphones on and I'm typing, oh, I didn't, but she didn't know. And she didn't, you know, she didn't have the vocabulary and feel comfortable enough to just ask me that. Yeah. You know? And it took a whole lot of back and forth before we could break the ice enough for her to come to me with any questions that she had. I've always wanted, or at least, you know, the last five years, wanted, you know, a website that lays everything out. You know, these are the government subsidies that you'll get if you hire someone with a disability or specifically someone who's low vision or blind. This is, you know, these are some of the accommodations that you can expect to be needed for, you know, specific positions, et cetera. You know, they run the gamut, you know, with a tab that has success stories. You know, this is not a typical, this is not an industry that typically someone who is visually impaired would go into, but hey, I'm doing it and I'm doing it well. And this is how I'm doing it. You know, that runs soup to, you know, soup to, soup to to dessert. Yeah. Um, And and that when you're sitting there in that interview, you know, you can say, hey, you want hit www.blindpeopledoit, you know, whatever, whatever you decide yeah. to call it. Yeah, you know, www.yesweCan.com, yesweCanWork.com, something like that, yeah. And all those questions that you're sitting, because I, I a couple of things, I got really frustrated. You know, I, I was talking to big companies, you know, Amazon being one of them. Um, and I got really frustrated because I knew, 
you know, and, and I said at one point, sort of like you, hey, you know what, whatever you want to know, free space. I'm not, you know, write it out on a piece of paper and I'll FaceTime my sister to make sure it says what it says. And I'll sign, you know, an agreement that whatever you ask me, I'm not going to be offended or file any kind of complaint. But right. ask me what you want to know, because I can do this job. I've done it. I did it when I was cited. I can do it now. So whatever reservations you have, ask me and I'll, and I'll answer it. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get that job either. But <laughs> well, I but, think though, it, the, the thing about it is, um, it's going to take a concerted effort. No one thing is yeah. going to work. Because if you think about it, we have thrown good money after bad, right? Nobody mm -hmm. can argue that billions of dollars haven't been spent um, with the, in, the goal of employing people with disabilities, right? Yeah. And, 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 it, and the unemployment rate is as bad now, if not worse, than it was prior to the ADA. There, there has not been that significant of a decline in the unemployment rate, right? So that means that we have to take a different tack, you know? Um, the job fairs, the, you know, um, educating not just the employers, but us. Us, okay? yes, yes. Okay, uh, this is what we, we say. This is what we'd like to say. These are some of the questions, disclosed or not disclosed. We need to have those constant conversations that I don't mean every few years or what have you. Okay, the constant conversations about to disclose or not to disclose, that is the question. We can't just, because my mom's motto, just because you can't see us doesn't mean we can't see you, right? So yep. what is my body, never mind what my mouth is saying, right? We have that under control. Like if we yep. can't do anything else, we can talk. Yes, we can. What is well, my body too. language telling you? We, right, yep. we can speak very well. We as a, um, as a community, we are well-educated, okay? Degrees aren't our problem because remember, whatever job most of us get has to be cerebral. So we have the education. Um, but what is, what is our body language say? Can a blind person or a person who's blind make eye contact with a sighted person? If so, how? How does a person who is blind or low vision go to somebody's happy hour and gracefully navigate the room? Yep. How does a person who is blind or low vision um, read somebody else's body language? Yep, that's the hardest of them all, but it still can be done. I mean, you know, even to have a conversation to determine whether or not it can be done, you know? Um, I, I just feel like um, given the stark unemployment rate that we have, along with the ridiculous braille literacy, the low braille literacy rate, um, I feel like ACB needs to step it up. Because if it's such a huge problem in our community, why aren't we doing more? If only 10% of the blind population can read Braille, uh, if only 10% of sighted people could read, there'd be a problem. Yeah. 
Well, we have five minutes left um, of this beautiful program. Byron, let's take a hand check one more time. All right. I am not seeing any hands, but I, I do have one for you. Um, All right. well, oh, you know what? We do have a hand, so I will hold off on that. And um, I'm going to ask the person with the 410 uh, area code to unmute. And you are free to speak once you get unmuted. Hi, hi, Byron. Hi, Sandra. Hello. It's Meryl. Hi, Hello. Anthony. Hello. Um, you, you have given such a beautiful picture of your life, Sandra, and I'm so proud of everything that you've accomplished. And the education, yes, we must educate people. I was one of the fortunate ones like you. I'm retired now, but that did work for the federal government. And I did get a, certain accommodations, yes, that I needed. But we do have to stress that people have to change. They, they still have misconceptions about people that are blind and that we can't do, do the job as well as a sighted person. And there has to be education and advocacy. And, yes, I believe that ACB has to do a lot more as far as that is concerned. So thank you. And also I just wanted to say that the International Relations Committee, I'm very proud to serve on the committee. Um, I found out about it from Oral Miller because he used to have these <clears throat> Monday night um, dinners where you'd go to international restaurants and I went to one and people were talking about the committee and I said one day I'm going to be on there and Sandra knows how long I've been wanting to be on there and my knowledge of languages and French and Spanish um, I think add a lot to it and my interest in cultural and international things so thank you Sandra and your crazy braille reading abilities too Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. God, let's just take one moment and say, Oral Miller, what a guy. I mean, you know, wow. <laughs> yes. All right. We, um, Byron, let's do one more check. Anyone else? And if not, ask your question real quick because we are coming towards the top of the hour. Okay. I don't see anyone else, so I will ask my question. Um, okay. And you may have already answered this, and maybe I wasn't paying attention, so you guys let me know if I'm asking a redundant question. Um, but I want to know what sort of things are on your bucket list. Uh, you, do you want to mm. do any crazy adventuring? Um, okay. So I I value as, a, as an adult. I no longer think that my body is made of titanium. Uh, so th there's not going to be anything strenuous in, in my future, uh, -uh. uh, short of going to the gym. That's a strenuous. You will not catch me zip lining, bungee cord jumping, um, or that craziness. No, um, I will settle. I'll be just fine traveling. Thank you. Um, so the only like bucket things are just, um, other places that I'd like to travel, but no major like I do not need to ski. Um, I've skied uh, cross country. I don't intend to ski downhill because I have one neck and um, I don't intend to break it. So there will be no skiing downhill, but downhill skiing. Nope. Um, so no, nothing, nothing strenuous. No. 
All right. So with that, Sandra, please come back in late August or early September and let's do another hour together. This has been Sunday edition. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back next Thanks week with a great, me. absolutely, convention preview and one other great surprise. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Sunday edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration ac that's the word celebration with the letters ac at aol.com look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next sunday